This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, something has happened today that's never happened before. Do you know what it is? <laughs> yeah, I do know what it is. <laughs> do you want to we, share it with our listeners? We ran out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> We normally, we don't put much thought into what the chit-chat is going to be. It's, it's just, you know, we it's like, what do you want the chit-chat for this episode to be? What do you want the chit-chat for that episode to be? And then we just chit-chat. <laughs> and we're both just drawing complete blanks. And so then we, we got off on a diatribe, and I had actually recorded it. And uh, it's like a, a, a about a 20-minute conversation about we don't have anything to say. <laughs> but it's not the type of thing that you <laughs> which is sadly embarrassing. Yes. No chit chat today, guys. Sorry. But you know, in a way that's good because a lot of times we well, near 100% of the time, we pull our chit chat from stuff that's going on in our lives or stuff that's going on in the world or whatever, and the fact that I don't have anything to say just means that I've been nose to the grindstone. I've I've been you know, eyes to my work and, and getting work done. And that's exciting. So no chit chat. Woohoo! <laughs> but we do have a topic today and the topic, not surprisingly, is hard to describe. So <laughs> we'll just get into it and somehow or other we'll come up with a title for this episode uh, by the end of it. So Taylor, you want to kick us off? Yes. So last week we were talking about visual cues and this week I want to talk about visual ideas or concepts, right? In ways that convey emotional weight or visual weight to the reader. And I don't have a lot on the subject, but I know that it's actually a very important subject. So we'll see how this goes. And it came to mind recently when I was reading a book, and the book was very well written. I don't have any complaints there. But there was this spot that this thing that came up twice in a very short amount of time. I want to say twice on the same page. And the character was describing a being put into an environment that was completely foreign and new to her. And she was talking about how everything looked and giving giving a description of like terrain that they'd passed through and buildings that they were going into, whatever. And twice in the space of, I think, several paragraphs on the same page, she says, it was the biggest room that I had ever seen or the most, the, the grandest building that I'd ever witnessed, something along those lines. In both cases, it was description without description because it was talking about her own experiences. It was 
comparing one thing to another entirely based on her own experiences without any detail. So it reminded me a lot of how un, how not good some people in everyday life are about communicating in a way that the other person understands what it is that they're trying to say in the written word. Now, this is, I am not talking about the writing in the book. The book was very, very well written. Uh, it was just those two places where the, that phrasing was used that it jumped out to me in contrast because the rest of it was so well done. Um, when, when we convey information to another person or to a reader based on our own experiences, it's meaningless to the person who is receiving the information unless they themselves have experienced identical to the person who's conveying that experience. And when it comes to reading, no two readers are alike. So there is no ident identical. Um, I'll give you a real life example. There have been times where I've needed to meet up with somebody. Like, let's say that I wanted to buy something from someone online and I'm talking with them and I'm like, well, where are you located? When I ask the question, where are you located? I'm looking specifically to know how do I find that person? So I might say, I'm in such and such place. How far away are you? If their response is, I'm in XYZ city, and I have no idea where XYZ city is, they've told me nothing. Now I have to go look it up, right? I'm going, when, when can we meet up? Well, I need to go to the grocery store first. Okay, you've told me nothing. I don't know you. I don't know how long it takes you to go to the grocery store. So now I have to go back and go, okay, grocery store first. What time are we meeting up? Same question. <laughs> what time are we supposed to meet and where? Okay, well, let's see. I have this errand to run and that errand. I don't need to know that. I just need to know when I need to be there and, and where there is, right? And it's this thing that I've seen. It, it seems very, very, very common in online interactions. Like the that's where I experience written interactions with other people the most since I don't have a business and I don't um, get a lot of work emails and stuff like that. That when people communicate with me, there's no effort that's being put into achieving their own objective. This person wants to sell a thing. They want my money. They do not want me to waste their time, and they put zero effort into achieving that objective. Um, they might list an item for sale and leave out all the pertinent information, just this is for sale, right? There's no effort being put into communicating in a way that achieves their own end goals. So when I read this thing where this character on the page is saying it was the grandest palace that I had ever seen or the, the darkest forest I'd ever been in, it strikes me as being very, very similar in a um, 
from a communication perspective. Now, as as writers, as, as storytellers, our goal always is to convey information to the reader in the clearest, most emotionally impactful way possible so that the reader feels and experiences the story as if they're the character. And when we use very vague ideas or concepts as part of that attempt to convey information, those are wasted words. Because no matter how much we might know about that character's experience, like maybe the character was poor. Okay. They grew up in a, in a village uh, with, you know, two horses and five huts. And now they're in this big city and they say that that is the grandest building that they'd ever seen. Great. But it still doesn't tell us anything about the building. Just that the character was impressed by the building. But when you get that coming multiple times, it was the this that I had ever seen. It was the that that I ever seen, the most what I've ever experienced. It, you're detaching the reader from that because the reader is not your character. So I, I understand from a writing perspective why you'd want to use words like that. Like, it's just easier. It's, it's easier. You think that you're crawling into your character's head and you're giving a sense of your character and their, their wonderment of the experience, but it actually, because it's vague and it doesn't have um, a concrete example to go with it, it doesn't actually impart that. It just imparts a sense of, well, I don't actually have any idea why they're in wonderment, just that they are, right? So it's the same concept that I was talking about how when people will interact in written form and completely fail to communicate in a way that benefits themselves because they're, they're focused everything on their experience, they're completely blind to how it's being received on the other end, we can inadvertently do that with our characters also. We're so focused on their experience and what's going on in their head that we're failing to convey it in a way that the readers are able to identify with and um, crawl into that character's head and become the character and feel and experience together with the character. So that's, I don't have a lot of examples uh, because that was what I was reading when I was like, it kind of clicked in my head and I wanted to talk about it. But I do think that it's an important subject, possibly far more important to the public at large <laughs> than to others specifically. But it is a very important subject for us as authors to always be mindful of how we're conveying information to the reader and making sure that it's done in such a way that the reader's able to put themselves into those shoes and not just a way that's like, oh, I, I never did this before. It's so big. And then people can't relate to it. So that's what I got. All right. So I, I was, as you were talking, I was reminded of a book that I'd read several years ago, and it was part of a series. And I did not know it was part of the series. This was the third book. And sometimes new books come out and you don't realize it's a part of a series. So I, I grabbed the book and I was reading it. And there was a woman who was introduced very on in the series or in, in the in the story and was described as, and I've written this down, and it's, it's 
this is not exact. It's just from memory, but it, it was, imagine the most beautiful woman you've ever seen and then imagine someone even more beautiful. This describes so-and-so. And so because it started with imagine, in like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'll play along. I'll go with this. So he didn't say, or the, the, the author didn't say, this is the most. It was imagine the most beautiful. So I did. I did imagine the most beautiful woman that I'd ever seen. And then imagine someone even more beautiful. And then three chapters later, there was one piece of descriptive text. And I'm like, that's not her. <laughs> It took me completely out of the story, and I almost quit reading the book. It's, it's like, yes. you have ruined this for me now because you told me to do this, and I played along, and then you cheated. Yeah, so, I mean, we have talked specifically about that um, in the context of providing character description way up front so that the reader doesn't have to come in and rewrite, but doing that thing, <laughs> what you just that, that definitely falls in the same category of um, like if somebody would have, because we're all different as readers, right? If somebody would have asked me, imagine the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, I would have just drawn a blank. I would have been like, uh, and then if I had managed to do it and they would have said, now imagine someone even more beautiful. Well, how would I know they were more beautiful if this was the most beautiful? Like, I don't have the, See, you, weren't, you the, wouldn't have been playing I along like I was. I would not. I wouldn't have played along. I would have just skipped right over that, and that would have been um, wasted words on me. It would have told me nothing about who this woman was, except that she's pretty, well, that other people found her to be pretty, um, and it wouldn't have given me anything. But like I said, every reader is going to bring their own experience into this. So um, for some, that really would work. And And if you look at that from the author's point of view, when he's writing that or she um, that, that was working for their style, right? That was in their minds thinking this is going to convey a visual, a visual image that my readers will connect with, but it's not because they're not actually giving, providing any information. Um, if they would have, you can tell, you can describe a character without providing the exact details and let the reader's mind fill that in as long as you don't contradict it later by providing your own. Um, and you can do that, but it's, you've got, you've just got to make sure that the words that you use are, are working to convey that, to convey what you're trying to convey from the reader's perspective and not from your solely your character's point of view. Because it might sound a little confusing what I'm saying, I just bring it back to the the description I was giving about interacting with people online, where they're communicating all their information from their own perspective, entirely unhelpful to me, who's trying to give them my money. So don't do that from the perspective of your character, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So in, in your example, and I don't remember the exact example, but it was a, a grand room, so to speak. And one thing that I have seen a lot of recently, maybe because I'm, I'm reading very similar styles of books, but it's the use of metaphor to describe something that's really grand or really large. And, and for example, it's like you, you walk into a room and it's like, you know, th this, is, this is the size of, uh, of Madison Square Garden or something like that. You know, it's kind of an absurd metaphor, but a metaphor to give the reader a sense of what it is without really going into a great deal of detail. What do you, th what do you yeah, think about that I, as a technique? 
I think that can definitely work, especially if it's not random. Like if it's somehow connected to the character's own experience, because what you're doing is you're giving a very concrete example. Even if the reader has never actually been to Madison Square Garden or seen it for themselves, um, it's it's concrete enough that if they had to, they could figure it out, right? Um, and I'll do that sometimes with um, Monroe. Well, she'll be a place and they'll be like, it reminded her of mm-hmm. another place, right? Because we're familiar, even if we haven't seen or been to a place itself, we very few of us have not watched TV or seen some of these places uh, visually through the devices that, that surround us, right? So s- some kind of actual tangible description is, even if it's foreign to the person who's reading the story, is still better than a no description. And I know that like when I'm writing, I often, if especially if I'm trying to describe something, if it's someplace, if it's if it's being drawn out of whole cloth from my imagination, um, it's really difficult for me personally. And this not all authors struggle with the same thing. For some, it, it might be the exact opposite. But for me personally, if I'm describing a room that I have never been in, and I'm just creating this room from whole cloth, it is really easy for me. It is my natural tendency to just speak in vagueness because I don't see it. I don't see it inside my head. And I'm like, okay, it's a big room and it felt cavernous. Okay. That tells us absolutely nothing. And that is how my descriptions will often start. But then because I know better, I'll start filling in the details. There was a this over here, there's a that over there, and and I'll start building it out. Sometimes I'll even need to just go look at a picture of something that sort of matches the feel of what I'm getting to, and then try and describe the feeling of that picture, even if I'm not saying, you know, the wall was 15 feet long. Who needs to know that? Unless he's actually going to traverse 15 feet and every foot matters, right? don't need that granular detail, but we do need to have a sense of feeling um, even more than the, the actual technical aspects of it, of what this room is. So as I'm writing it and I start to build it out of what it, what the room actually is, I start to get a better sense of it. I may just stop there or I may transfer over into other senses, the smells, the the feelings, the the temperature or whatever depends on the scene and the story and how much is needed. But I will go back and delete out the way that I started with, you know, it was a big cavernous room or whatever, because that is unhelpful. But it's what I need to do to get started. So just because the words start on the page doesn't mean they stay on the page. It's just what's getting me going. And I know that my own personal weakness is imagining the the details, which I know is probably shocking to a lot of people. <laughs> so much detail in my stories. But it, it's, not, it's not easy for you. It doesn't come naturally for me. And especially when you're making up or creating new worlds, even more so, unless you're one of those people that just has a very vivid imagination, our tendency is to skip on the details 
and speak in vagueness. And then as soon as we get to the action or the characters, then we start getting more detail. But that essentially leaves in the reader's mind, it leaves those characters hanging in a spatial void. So we don't want to go so far into the detail that we're spelling out, you know, how many inches each tile on the floor was, unless it matters somehow to the story. But we would want to know the the cold feel of the room and the, the feel of cold tiles on bare feet, especially if it was really cold outside and that character needed to cross, you know, 40 feet of that and didn't have shoes on, it would matter, you know? So those types of, of details, so where you can feel what the character is feeling, that's where you want to focus your energy on. And, and you want to avoid just these vague descriptors that don't actually convey anything, even though when you're writing them, it seems like it is. How do you, in your own writing, how do you catch these when you go back through um, a, a, and you're just rereading an early draft? I'm looking for redundancies and, and um, non-descriptors, like big large, small. Okay. If it's a small chair, maybe it doesn't matter, but there might be a better way to describe a small chair, like struggled, the person struggled to sit in the chair that was too narrow for their wide body or too narrow for their narrow body. Right. And you've just described a small chair without saying the chair was small. So I'm looking for that type of stuff, uh, stuff that just I mean, nowadays it doesn't even really make it into the first draft because I'll delete it out as I'm going because I recognize what it is that I'm doing. But um, if I was going through and trying to edit that type of thing out, I would be looking for redundancies. And given the choice of, this is probably an odd question, but given the choice of a metaphor a reflection, because you, you mentioned sometimes you'll have Monroe just reflect back on something else that she'd seen, or a character-based description, uh, something like you just described uh, with the chair. Given the choice, would you lean towards one or the other? So this is a hard question for me to answer because I'm really not good about understanding words like metaphor. <laughs> even know for sure that I know exactly. I'm probably what a using it wrong is. anyway, so someone will let us know. Um, but I think like if you're if the way that you're describing something is like she was this like a blah 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 blah, I think that's a metaphor, the like a part. And mm -hmm. I try to avoid those if I can. I'm there's a lot of them in my writing anyway, but the reason why I would try and avoid them is because um, I think it was maybe in Strunk and White or somewhere else, one of these writing books that I read a long time ago that said, I think the like A part was redundant. And so if you can't, if I can't find a way to make what follows like a work without taking out the like a, then 
I try to avoid that because it means that to me, it means that I'm just kind of going too far in purpling my prose up and whatever. <laughs> so if I, you'll still find the like A's in because sometimes it's just impossible to take them all out. And they sometimes it just is better with the information that follows. But what you find in there is a fraction of what would have been in there when I'm searching for words to describe scenarios or environments or whatever than what actually originally was because if I can't find a way I'm going to try and delete it and the only way it's staying is if I just couldn't find any alternative that worked as good as what was there um my my ideal the, the what I would be striving for always is to describe things like you know, sat down in a chair that was too narrow for her narrow body. Like that way to say the chair was small. Like anytime I can find a way to describe the environment by using the character's body to navigate through the environment, that is going to create the most vivid, um, tactile, I'm there experiencing it with the character experience for the reader. And that's very hard to do when observing things from a distance. And the scene that I had read that sparked this whole thing off was observing from a distance. That's some of the hardest description to do, especially in a scene when the character doesn't have their own agency. So, like, if Monroe was observing something from a distance... It would be described from her perspective as is what she intended to do with that information. Like two doors on the ground floor, that would make entry, uh, a silent entry difficult, be difficult to be, to, to head that way without being seen. Five windows on the second floor created this type of obstacle. Easiest way to get in would be go up through the roof, which was flat on the rear half, right? So I'm giving you all the details of how a building looks without describing the building because it's being integrated into the thought process of the character as she's examining her next move. So it feels almost like action instead of description, but I can do that because Monroe has her own agency. She can decide what she wants to do. If you have a character that's been, for example, taken captive as a slave and is seeing Rome for the first time after being hauled out of the forests, that that description of Rome through that character's eyes has zero agency. But you can still adapt it to that character by thinking, you know, what, where am I going to end up? Am I going to end up in the house or are the the rumors that I've heard from the other slaves alongside me talking about, you know, dungeons and dirt floors where, you know, we sleep in our own filth and chains are wrapped around our neck and then we're fed to lion, the, to, to angry beasts with, you know, talon-like claws. That is description from that character's own personal experience, it's going to feel very alive in a way that 
and we marched through the streets with crowds thronging each side and these tall columns and and buildings that that were bigger than anything I'd ever seen in my journey across the four countries or whatever, you know, it just doesn't have the same impact when you're describing something from a distance as just an observation as it will when you're describing something from the experience or the thought processes or the fears or the desires of the character who's observing that thing. And raise your hand out there if if you're surprised that Taylor went that way with the answer as opposed to metaphor or reflection. <laughs> 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 That's a great answer, by the way. That that was really that was really good. Uh, Thank you. That, very specific, and just the right amount of detail. <laughs> nice, Steve. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so that is it for this week's show. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. We will be back with you again next Tuesday. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>